Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. And grab his notebook and he's writing, he's like, keep it going. So we just keep playing the groove, you know? Oh, wow. So he's, from that perspective, you're getting a full band songwriting experience instead of just the guitar or just the piano. I can't wait how this will sound with a whole band. Oh yeah. I can't, you know, I can't wait to hear it. No, it's already happening. Yeah. So the process moves at such a faster rate. Welcome songwriters to How the Song Came to Be. I'm Ann Heaton, your host and founder of Soul Song School. We are here with Mona Tavacoli. Mona is a Los Angeles-based drummer, singer, and performer who believes in making music that unites, elevates, and connects. Mona started playing drums at age 11, blossomed into a tenor drum star in her high school marching band, and began her professional music career while at UCLA as a founding member of Raining Jane, an all-female rock band. Mona is now uniquely known for adapting the cajon to unexpected genres such as rock and pop. Raining Jane recently co-wrote and recorded Yes on Atlantic Records with Jason Mraz, and in support of this album, they toured internationally for two years. Mona and Jason have been collaborating for nearly a decade. She toured worldwide on Mraz's 2012 album, Love is a Four-Letter Word, and they performed together on programs such as The Today Show, The David Letterman Show, Ellen, Dancing with the Stars, and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. In addition to performing with artists such as Pat Benatar, the Pasadena Music Orchestra, Kobe Kale, Sarah Bareilles, and Willie Porter, Mona is a co-founder and co-director of the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in Los Angeles, a nonprofit that encourages girls to find their voices through music. Mona believes that music can inspire and connect people to a larger purpose, and most recently she traveled to Africa on behalf of the U.S. State Department as a cultural diplomat. There, she gave concerts and workshops facilitating women's entrepreneurship and empowerment. When Mona is not banging on drums or corralling day campers, she's listening to Pema Children audiobooks or making creative collages. Welcome to the show, Mona! Thanks, <laughs> Ann Heaton. I love you. I felt like I had to say all of that because it's so important oh and amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for the invitation. I love you, too. So I'd love to start out today asking you what I ask everyone who comes on, which is how did you get started? How and why did you start playing drums? What compelled you to begin? Okay, so I'm going to try to zoom past like, you know, my childhood as a young beauty pageant uh, award recipient. So when I was like seven... My parents, um, my parents are from Iran. They moved here to get their master's degrees. The Iranian revolution occurred and they stayed in America. Wow. So then they were like, how do we integrate these Iranian kids into American, uh, into Americans essentially. And they put my brother in little league and they put me in beauty pageants. And I had like a full Tom Selleck mustache and they were like, you go girl, you go to beauty pageants. Anyway. They, my mom gave me these traditional Persian symbols, little um, hand symbols, and that was my first percussion instrument. And for my talent, I danced Persian dancing and I played these symbols. So that's where sort of like Whoa. percussion and performance started really early for me. Oh, wow. Okay. And I never won for beauty, 
but I always went for talent. Oh, love. Insight. Insight into my character building years. Oh, my goodness. So then I got to elementary school, and there was like a uh, school band. And I was like, I am so attracted to the drums. I was so into it. And my parents said no. They were like, you can play flute or violin. And I was like, okay, but I talked them into it because there, there was drumsticks for sale $6 versus buying a, or renting an instrument that was $30, $40 a month. Yeah. As long as you don't bring the drums home. Oh, they were okay with it. They're like, no problem. Yeah. And then I was like, so into it. I was so into it and I was so good. And then they saw, was so good, you know, it was 11. I mean, yeah. You know, I think you're just so into it. Yeah, you're so into it. Right. And then they came and saw me play like in the seventh or eighth grade, like a year or two later. And they were like, oh, this is good. This is good. And they bought me my drum set when I was 13. My dad was like, we are buying you drum set. You are good. My mom was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) And then somehow my dad was able to like be like, she's good at it. Let's like encourage her to like do this thing. Yeah. Because my other passion was basketball. Okay. And Anne, you've been with me. You know that I'm five foot two and also very slow at running. So. Oh. oh my God. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my mom still blames my dad on my career, but they're okay now. Now that I was like on Dancing with the Stars, they're like, now it's like yeah. we always believed in you. Yeah. No. They saw you on TV. They're like, okay, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> That's such a beautiful story though. And also like you, you ha- probably had like the muscle, like if you were doing the, you know, in the pageants you had, you from a very young age, you had sort of like the coordination, I guess is the word. Totally. And it was all rhythm based. You know, it's like I was doing these Persian dances were all like these six, eight grooves and which I, you know, obviously now I'm applying them. But at that time I just loved dancing and I loved expressing myself that way. And my mom was my coach, my stage mom. (laughs) No, she's not at all. But that was like her opportunity to be um, encouraging me in that way. Yeah. Anyway, so that's such a cool story. That's thank you. That is so. I I didn't know that about you. I wow. So that's how I started. Yeah. Okay. So that's how you started. Okay. Yeah. And so, well, I I have questions for later about Raining Jane, but on this topic, just because you're a performer from a really young age, and this is something I wanted to ask you anyway, is about confidence. I feel like something that I love about you. One of the things I love about you, because there are many, is this like amazing blend you have of humility and confidence. Like I've never seen you be anything but really encouraging or kind to anyone. It's like you treat everyone equally and yet you like totally own the space on stage. You're super confident. And I, you know, I just wanted to know how you think about that. Like whether you were born with it or you got it from your family or if you cultivated it over time and in, in terms of your story, how would you, I don't know, talk about it to other people who might have stage fright or feel like they're not fully shining, <laughs> letting their light shine yet? Wow. Yeah, that makes me really emotional. I, I'm, yeah, thanks for asking that question. And thanks for saying that, acknowledging that in me. I'm very, very, very grateful for that. When I was growing up, my parents were so, so, so encouraging. Like, I feel so lucky that my mom and dad, even though they didn't want me to play the drums, yeah. were still encouraging me and telling me I was great and I was kind and I was a hard worker and all these things that I, I am. I am now in the world or I feel yeah. I acknowledge in myself. But I had these like very, it was a dichotomy. It was like very disparate. My 
experience in my family where my family was telling me, you're awesome, you're great. And then I would go to school and I wouldn't feel that um, experience with other kids or I would have teachers. On, I was a total teacher's pet. I loved hanging out with my teachers and gleaning you know, knowledge and everything. But I had a very different experience. So family was encouraging and then my school life or my social life as a kid was like, well, well you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the seventh grade and I met this girl named Susan, Susan Pierovi, who is still like one of my nearest and dearest friends. And she totally changed my experience and brought my two worlds together. Oh, wow. Because she, her locker was next to mine. She was in the eighth grade and I was in the seventh grade and her locker was next to mine. She was also Iranian, which there weren't, it was like three Iranians in my junior high. And she said to me one day, she was like, you're so awesome. I was like, what? You know, I'd never heard that before from a peer. Yeah. You're so funny. Oh yeah. I was like, huh? (laughs) That. And it, um, it impacted me like at a cellular level, like so deep. And just her words made me feel like, Oh, maybe I am awesome. Maybe I am funny. And then I like ran for, eighth grade president and she um, supported me and encouraged me and and I became ASP president and and that totally my whole trajectory changed by this one person telling me I was wonderful and I was funny and believed in me and from that moment well I was like 12 or something right I my whole I just decided I want to be that person for others yeah I just I want to see the greatness and the beauty in other people So since the age of 12, like that was a very clear mission to me, whether I knew it or not, like whether I acknowledged it as that thing, I can see it now clearly as an adult, but I was like, ah, I want to make people feel good. You mean you you want to be the person that she was to you, like who who could see you and acknowledge you? Yes. Yeah. The good stuff in me. Uh Not the like, you're annoying or you're whatever, you know, all the things that the other peers were saying or my brother was telling me or I just was like, oh. I can feel how much that improves my life and my being. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened. That's so amazing. my family life and my social life then became this thing where it was really in line to be like, oh, I want to be like a really positive person in the world. And, you know. I love that. I love that. So I feel like it's a unique moment where someone shows up and is able to say what's great about you or really see you. And then also to be able to receive it. Because sometimes I feel like that moment can happen and we can't receive it. But you yeah, were like, yeah. oh, like, that feels true. Maybe sure. I am that. Like, you know, it's like an important piece. So, yeah. It was so important to me yeah. in my development, totally. And so then I think after that, I realized, oh, I am, I, I'm great and I'm going to share my greatness with other people and I'm, I want them to share it with me. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of, that unfolded in high school where I just like, I was like, I'm going to show up and be great. Like there wasn't a question about it and it wasn't yeah. an act. It was just like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, understood I, the, I, I understood the impact of, of being, feeling good about yourself and then helping other people feel good about, oh, them. good about themselves. Yeah. 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 So were there, were there ever any thresholds in terms of like being actually a performer? Like you're, I saw the video, like you, you've been playing at Radio City Music Hall, like the Hollywood, but there's all these huge gigs you've been doing and, and also just, you know, talking about co-writing with Jason Rat. like were there moments like when you first met him in the first writing, you know, that 
that were you, did you just have that or did you have to, um, I don't know, continue to talk to yourself about it? hundred percent. Yes. Still talking to myself every morning, every day. Like this is my stack of, this is my morning ritual stack right here. Okay. Uh, but I mean, every day when I do my journaling in the morning and I have to constantly remind myself of like with affirmations, mm -hmm. it's still, I mean, as your life unfolds, I think you're just constantly confronted with like the refining of your experience and I was just talking to Chaska about this. Chaska's in Raining Jane, for those of you who don't know. She's my best, best friend, my dearest friend. And I was just saying, like, I wonder if when we were younger, we were just more bold because there wasn't as much on the line. Mm. And now that as we've gotten older, like, we're just so hard on ourselves. Mm. It's so weird. Mm. I don't know, like, the courage that I had at, like, when Raining Jane first started, in 1999, like we went for shit that was, excuse me, we went for stuff that was so wild and just yeah. were like, who cares? Yeah. What's on the line other than our pure enjoyment and sharing and stuff. And then as we get older and the stakes got higher, right? Now I'm on TV or now I'm like yeah. being judged on, on YouTube, which that wasn't happening when we were younger or right. feeling like criticism. Yeah. Which before it was like, I wasn't hearing criticism because we were like in our own bubble, like driving our van to gigs and just going for it and having a real authentic interaction and leaving. Yeah. There wasn't somebody taking a video of it and then putting it online and somebody being like, do that drummer's whack or whatever. Yeah. 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 You know, I just got to take whatever the true authentic moment was mm -hmm. feel good about it or feel bad about it and then move on. Yeah. Now there's this like stamp. Of yeah. Memory. The moment carries into the future and other people can comment on it. Yeah. And also, I feel like we know more. Like, I relate to what you're saying because I remember I was like my first CV. It was like barely a CV. And I was like reaching out to like all these really prominent papers. And I was basically like, right, I didn't know like how you did that. Like, I didn't know there were like publicists. I didn't know anything. So I was basically like writing the article for them. And then I, I sent this one woman in the Chicago Reader like 40, I don't know, like 30, 40 pages of like a whatever. And I, she finally wrote about me because I think she was like, this person is crazy. Like, because I didn't. I didn't know how to do it. Like I didn't know anything. And so, but it, but it's like, it worked out because I, I didn't even know to be worried. I didn't even know I was making a fool of myself. But anyway, I love that. But no, it but worked out, you know? Yeah. And now like I wouldn't do that, but then like maybe she wouldn't write about it because. <laughs> and you don't know that, but. Right, but, but I, you know. But I love that. I, I think that innocence is like, I really miss that feeling of just like, you yeah. know, just be in the moment. Yeah. Which, so that's why I journal and that's why I read this. Mm -hmm. Comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah. I'm telling you what, this is 108 paragraphs, basically, le lessons. I've been reading this for five years. I just go through page, it's just one page a day and I think about it and I journal on it. And because I want to be, I want to still be present and carefree like that. Mm -hmm. And no matter how far we go in our careers or it's still like a person, my personal journey is I want to just be super present and super loving and, and yeah. make no mistake. My light equals my dark. I am very clear on that, you know? So I know I have to feel embarrassed or sad or, you know, disappointed in order to feel all the great things, but right. Yeah. It's wild. I, I, 
I do think like the confidence is um, sometimes I have to really think about it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I want to show up, especially at rock and roll camp for girls. Right. Yeah. Where the whole purpose is creating a space for other people to feel good about themselves and to right. take risks. Right. Or be expressive. So for me in those moments, it's like, okay, my only job is to be still and create, create intentional space where other, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to come back to that blah, too. Blah, Cause blah. I feel like it's no, but so one of the things <laughs> you're sort of saying that works for you is you have this practice. And for those of you who might not have seen that comfortable with uncertainty was a Pema children book, right? Yes, babe. So reading that and journaling every morning as a way to kind of meet the day and show up with this amazing being that you are. Thank you. With freedom. I want to feel free. So I have to do certain things every day in order to prepare myself to feel as free as possible. Yeah. 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 Okay. I feel like when I meditate, like all the bad stuff like comes up and then <sighs> kind of like, I don't know if it leaves but it's not a, it doesn't really impact me then during the day. There's just more space or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to you. Okay. So, no, no, can I ask you a question? Do you oh, meditate yeah. uh, daily and when do you do it? I do it at about 5.30 or 6 in the morning. For how um, long usually? I try to do 25 minutes. Nice. There's and some, you have kids. You have two kids. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's right. like 10 minutes. But yeah. Uh, That's great. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. Yeah, it helps it because my partner Frank he does it too. So it's like he can be like, "Should we do this? <laughs> Should we do? I don't know. I'm really tired. Let's do it. <laughs> Should we do it laying down in bed? Probably not. Let's go downstairs." I love this. Oh, actually, sometimes I I meditate with my coffee cup because it's hot, and I'm like, "Okay, I get to drink this in a second. Yay! Anyway, back to you. Okay, yep. so I love this. Um, and I want to come back to talking about rock and roll camp for girls and sure, sure. that because that's so, so important. But um, in terms of, I really wanted to dive into the collaboration piece a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like we're doing that kind of already, but um, I thought I'd ask it in two parts. Um, and, you know, you've been co-writing and making songs with Raining Jane for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. Or something like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you have been co-writing with Jason Raz. You co-wrote this uh, record, Yes, with him and Rainy Jane. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So what I want to know is, like, what, what were the tools that you brought to those writing sessions? And then, like, what did you learn in those writing sessions that you would now maybe pull forward into future writing sessions? Yes. Okay. So I am a drummer, first and foremost. And then I'm a singer after that, but I've never learned how to play piano or guitar. So no traditional melodic instruments. But what I found once we started writing with Raining Jane or once we started writing with Jason as a team, um, one of two things would happen. Either I would start a groove, which would inspire the song. And once the song was going, then we could create, I could create melodies and lyrics on top of that. Nice. So either I would establish the, the ground, the foundation for the song, right. and then could contribute vocally or lyrically. And, or somebody would start with a guitar or piano, and I would go into like an even more complicated, syncopated rhythm 
And then we would record that and then we would add uh, melodies or lyrics on top of that. Cool. So I'm even just, though I, yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking I wish you would make the foundations of all my songs. <laughs> Girl, anytime now that we're doing this. Oh my God. So beautiful. You playing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, all right. So the music, so that means that is somebody saying like, um, okay, this song feels like this, or like it's about this, or people are just start humming and singing a line, and then you kind of find the song from there. Can you imagine like five people <laughs> trying to write a song together? What a nightmare that sounds like. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, it's like we've been writing with Jason for 10 years now. Oh, wow. As a five piece. And it's so beautiful. And the reason is everybody now knows their their place right oh. so what we end up doing for jason like he's such an incredible songwriter such a beautiful lyricist right like we know this right because he's a world famous <laughs> songwriter but what i realize and acknowledge in him is like his leadership in a room like that without being overbearing so mm. what we can provide as reigning jane because we've been playing together for 20 years is a really uh we can create a landscape for him mm -hmm. to paint over. Mm -hmm. So he's doing the detail work while we're creating like a, a land, sonic landscape for him. So I start with a groove. Becky pulls out the sitar or the bass, whatever she's feeling called to. Mai will grab a guitar or a cello. Chaska has so many tools at her disposal, her ukulele or mandolin, her, uh, her um, slide, lap steel. Um, and we just experiment with these sounds and then he'll start either with his guitar or a piano and then he'll start singing or somebody will start singing. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And from there, exactly how you described it, it's like, ooh, this song, oh my gosh, we were just at his house last weekend. We do these things called Ladies Weekends, mm -hmm. which once or twice a year we go to his house and we spend three, four days just laying down seeds, planting seeds. Mm -hmm. So this last four days that we just had, um, we started writing a disco song because I just started playing a disco groove and yeah. Chosk starts singing, ah, in her head voice, you know, and we just started writing a song. Yeah. And I, I came up with the hook. So then the hook came up and everyone's like, yeah, the hook, okay. And it's about, you know, just traveling and rolling. And, um, and then Jason's like, goes into a verse melody. And oh, yeah. then you see him grab his notebook and he's writing. He's like, keep it going. So we just keep playing the groove, you know? Oh, wow. So he's, from that perspective, you're getting a full band songwriting experience instead of just the guitar or just the piano. I can't wait how this will sound with a whole band. Oh, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't wait to hear it. No, it's already happening. Yeah. So the process moves at such a faster rate. Mm. But nobody is trying to be um, the boss, not yeah. even him. And that's what I love about his graceful leadership is he lets everything unfold. And then ultimately I love his editing. You know, he'll be like, okay, now wait, wait, let's go to that second section. Okay. We need a bridge now. Oh, that'll be great. You know, he's sort of the conductor of that. Yeah. yeah. But we're all writing at the same time. And then, all right, take 15 minutes setting the timer. Let's all let lyrics to that chorus. Oh, Cool. And then going in a circle, trying it, 
and then we write all the ideas down. And then if we have time or make it a priority, we go to a studio or if we're already in the studio, we can start tracking. I mean, wow. that very luxurious experience when we're with him at his house. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so fun and very accelerated. And yes. it sounds like you've all cultivated like being, uh, well, being comfortable with uncertainty, but maybe, maybe now, you know, it's certain it's going to work because you've done it so many times and being yeah. super present and open. And I love that. It's yeah. Just- it's a great group of people. It really is. It's, um, that I, I don't think, first of all, Raining Jane could have stayed a band for 20 years had it not been these characters of people who are mm-hmm. very open-hearted and very willing to just trust. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I mean, I wonder how, for you being a solo artist, mm-hmm. you know, when you're collaborating, are you, are you trying to collaborate with people you already know and love and trust, or are you going for things that are with people you don't know or yeah I mean I've sometimes been put in situations with people I don't know and that's been super fun and I just yeah. have had no idea what we're doing and we just end up getting to know each other like yeah. with Shannon McNally and Beth Wood that happened once for a Kayama cruise and we were just like so what's going on in your life you know and then and that that ended up great it was super fun um I feel like now what I do is I feel like songwriting is is an opportunity for me like i I used to look at getting stuck as like, oh, I'm stuck. And now I look at it as like an opportunity. Like, oh, if I'm stuck, that means like I'm supposed to go like leave my house and go see a movie. Like I didn't like live the thing that's going to tell me what the bridge is yet. That's why I don't know what it is. Or like, oh, this song is like totally in, um, I don't know, like my Bloomfield's wheelhouse or Dan Burns wheelhouse. Maybe I'll like email them and be like, can I play this for you? And what do you think about? whatever you know I feel like it's an opera <laughs> I I'm not in a band so for me it's like an opera the writing of it's like an opportunity to be social and to engage um and I'm much more likely to do that now that I'm older um, I love that that's what I wanted to find out I mean I think right like the co-writing aspect of it or the sharing of it I think when I was younger I was like no it needs to be my voice and my thoughts a hundred authentically a hundred percent working with somebody like Jason Mraz who is on his own unparalleled yeah. and then for him to be so generous and so open and so willing to share is mind bogging bogglingly is that a word okay great <sighs> graduated from college um it's just so inspiring to yeah, be like that he, so successful yeah he wants to invite you in and i mean everybody he's like yeah. so, not everybody but you know what i mean he's so like I want to share this. Why wouldn't I want to share this? Right. And that's, I feel like now that I'm in in this place in my life and I'm older, I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. More, everything makes you more, you know, that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's going to make you like, everything's going to make you more. Go for it. Yeah. So I like to hear that you as a solo artist, you're down for that. It's so cool. Oh my God. I mean, I, I love it. I just, yeah. I think when I first started out and this might be, it's like, I, I didn't even know what my voice was or what I was trying to say. So it was yeah. important for me to do it on my own for a little while. And then now it's like the more, the merrier, the Skypes get, bring on the Skype session. You know who else is like that is Natalia Zuckerman. Oh She's yeah. Like that too. We were just chatting yesterday. <laughs> yeah. More is more. Yeah. More is more. She's so inspiring that way. She doesn't, she wants to do it with other people. Yeah. She wants to share in the magic of music and the magic of creating. 
doesn't want to be alone doing it. And I just, she's a very inspiring person too, that way. Yeah. Absolutely. So now I feel like I want to, you, you went to Africa with Natalia and Chelsea, yeah. I do want to get to that. And I, I wanted to ask you one other thing about collaboration because, and I feel like you kind of answered it because you, you have this motto about wanting to lift up other people, but like, um, you've played with all these amazing people, right? And you yeah. bring this confidence and it's, it's always sounds so great. And so, um, I just wonder if you have like, you know how some people have a motto when they go on stage, that's like whatever serves the song is their motto or something. I feel like if I had to guess what your motto would be like, it would be like whatever serves the song and every person in the audience in their life moving forward and all their decisions for the rest of the life, their life for the greater good. Like that's like how much energy you're bringing. So I just want to know like, okay, you're going on the David Letterman show. You don't want to let the person down you're playing with like what, you know, can you write down that motto? Cause I feel like you, that was a, like very articulate way of describing my approach. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, really truthfully, I think I just want to contribute to the dream of the person I'm playing with. And I want to do my best so that I help the audience feel their best. I mean, really sincerely, and I know it can sound so hip dip, but that is my, my true heart is like, I want to, I want to have a great experience and I want to contribute to the, the environment, however I can. If I can walk into my friend's house and wash dishes for her and improve her environment, I will do that. Mm -hmm. If I can sit next to my friend and play a groove that makes them feel great to perform them, their song great, Mm -hmm. I want to do that. Yeah. And so how do you do that? Like when you're going on stage, what do you tell yourself? Like that, are you are you med- are you meditating meditating or am I meditating about what? Meditating about what? Um, before you go on stage, like yeah. in order to bring bring that, what are you saying to yourself? Like your inner game. Uh, my inner game is all about like be a light. That's it. Be a light. Be a light. Emanate your 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 light. And I know if I do that, if I'm in that space where it's from the center of my body, I play from the center of my body, literally, like mm-hmm. on the cajon. I'm seated, right? Like yeah. my, my, my middle of my body is so close to my instrument. Like I guess guitar and piano, right? The center of your body is like, yeah. the guitar is there, the piano is there, but like I'm bending over to my, I'm so reverent to my cajon. It's like I'm bowing to it constantly and I'm trying to create light, 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 light. Yeah. Whether it's to my homie or to the audience and, and then that light just like, when it's in the in its flow is so powerful for me. Yeah, oh, that's so awesome. I feel so, I'm getting like tingles on my head. I feel so happy. <laughs> uh, so I read in your bio about how you and Jason played in, in I think was it Antarctica for um, for awareness about climate change. And yeah. I just wanted to ask you about like how you think about the relationship between music and social change and what you're hoping that, what are you thinking that music can, can do to, can it actually make people take different actions um, in terms of some of the social issues we have going on right now? The question sounded very NPR, but I just, I, I love I, it. I've been thinking about it a lot with everything that's going on right now. And I think it's, I think it's important because I know sometimes to I, I have like a song about what's going on in the world right now and I'm like, oh well, 
I, I can hear there's a voice in me that's like, it won't matter. I mean, there's another voice that says it will matter, but. Is I, that the song you played for us at? Yeah, I finally recorded it, so. Please send it to me. Okay. Okay, well, I That's will. such a great song, and You have to share that song with more I, people. I know, I, I, I mean to. <laughs> Did you ever do it? Sorry, this is. <laughs> No, I'm just okay. chatting with you. No, Do you no. have a video of it or a YouTube of it or anything? I actually emailed your friend Abby to see if she would make a video, but she didn't respond. So, oh, great. I love Abby. it. <laughs> Should I call her right now? We'll get her on the. <laughs> Abby, I've got Ann Heaton here. She's, she's working a full time job. Just to, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, let's, get, let's get Abby on the horn, though. You should make a video and then we'll all share it, okay? Great. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, great. Yeah. It's such a good song. I wanted to use some of the footage from the Women's March. And that's oh. why I reached out to Abby because I thought it would be cool. Like, I don't want the whole video to be the Women's March, yeah. but just to, like, tie it to. Girl. Yeah. Such a dope idea. Anyway. <laughs> Are you coming to L.A. soon? I was there yesterday for 24 hours. But, yeah, I was, I'll, come, I'll come soon again. I was officiating a wedding. In you Palm were? Oh, yeah. wow. Cool. Yeah, anyway, just like, I, sorry, we're love, brief. you know, whatever. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to ask you more about that, but maybe I'll do it off the, Offline. Off Offline. the recording. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so social change, a thousand percent, yes. And I think being witness to Jason Mraz in the world for, you know, 10 years, he is creating um, songs. For, you know, for people who don't know Jason's catalog behind, beyond, like, I'm yours or whatever, you know, the guy is fully um, dedicated to environmental justice, social justice, um, arts accessibility to um, every person. And um, he means it. He means it. And he uses his music as social medicine. I mean, a thousand percent. And I witness, I witness the impact of music and song and lyric um, a thousand times over. I keep using the number 1,000. I don't know why, but I see it with my own eyes, the way that his, um, his songs about environmental justice affect people to want to be more conscious, right? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. So, I, yes, I agree with that. And that when we wrote yes, I mean, the idea was let's just write about what we know as a group, which was a lot of, like, service and friendship and stewardship and all these things it's like being a great friend and so that song is so it's almost too positive it's almost too like there's not enough pain maybe i think some of his fans were like where's like the real heartbreak stuff and we just were so great in gratitude constantly being around each other and creating that mm -hmm. the album is so um it's so luscious that way with the messaging of of love and care and friendship and gratitude. So mm -hmm. I do, I do think it's possible and it's, yeah. it takes people really like writing about what they know and what they believe in, in order for it to have impact anyway, right? Like the stickiest songs, the stickiest artists are the one that have such a authentic point of view. Mm. otherwise we're like bullshit mm -hmm. we don't care mm -hmm. why do i why am i going to care about you and your music when i don't believe you yeah mm. yeah there's that authenticity piece 
hundred percent. And, and clarity of voice. Cause you could be an authentic person, but you have to be able to kind of articulate it. hundred percent. And, you know, going back to like the drumming thing or like my confidence on stage or what do yeah. I, what do I say to myself before I go on stage? It's like, yeah. I just really want to be myself. Mm. I'm not the world's greatest drummer. I'm not the world's greatest Colin player, but I just, if I can just totally do me, I know that's going to make the people in the audience relax. Yes. Yes. Do you ever yes. go to a show and you see somebody that's just so stuck in performing or st- they're trying to do something and you're like, I'm so nervous for them. I'm so uncomfortable yeah. because yeah. they're not. Yeah. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? And like, and, and if somebody or, or alternatively somebody who makes a mistake on stage and laughs and they're not worried about it. And then you, like you said, you just relax and you're like, Oh yay, you made a mistake. And now we're moving on. Like, it's okay to be me. It's okay to be you. Like, what a relief. What a relief. Yeah, so, so, so good. Yeah. I feel so good talking to you. Okay. So now, yeah. Oh, and I was just thinking about the, when you're talking about singing these songs that you wrote that are really positive. I mean, I yeah. know that the, this is a little different because it's not music, but when I get those, I'm on so many email lists for like Greenpeace or what, like the NDRC, you know what I mean? And they're, yeah. always, they're always telling me like what's wrong. And I, I feel like I need to know, but occasionally they'll tell a story that's like, we did this great thing and this awesome thing happened and we saved this park. And I often feel more motivated to do something for that organization or in the world when I hear that story. Like, uh-huh. It, it uh-huh. just feels like somebody like fed me some food. Like, uh-huh. um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sharing that other than your story reminds me of that, that like, yeah. it's like an, an, like you give energy and then you have energy to, to direct it somewhere positive um, yes. as an audience member. But this, I just uh, want, this is, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this, but this is me and Jason in a, in front of a glacier in Antarctica. Can you see that? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's that was beautiful. On that, that was on that trip with Al Gore and um, like some crazy ass people were on that boat. It's like Richard Branson's family, like Tom Brokaw, the president of Iceland. You're like, what? Oh my. Anyway. Wait, so that's another question I have. So, like, I feel like if I were going to go on a boat with Al Gore, I'd be like, I think I need to read, like, 30 books. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm do you yeah. do that or are you just kind of no. like, no? I, you know what I did was I did try to prepare myself because I didn't want to go in, like, not knowing anything. But really, my goal was to be fully just present in the moment and ask good questions so that mm. I could then share with my people that don't know like me, like I don't know enough. I'm not Al Gore level or president of Iceland level (laughs) education about climate change. But um, I just did my best to be super present in the room, take copious notes and then be able to translate it from my, my friends and community that maybe is at the same level of education as I am, you know? Genius. I love that. That's what a great, incredible, that's gold. Write that down, everyone. Ask good questions, right? Be right. a good listener and ask good questions. I mean, what else are we here to do? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know All anything. Right. All right. So Go lastly, ahead. I know um, that you're co-founder of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, and I, yes. I know you went to Africa um, this year to facilitate women being heard in their empowerment, or last year. And um, I guess I, I want to know how you think about inspiring girls and women. Like, what are the what are the uh, ideas you bring of how to do that? Well, as we now know, very clearly, sisterhood is powerful. 
And I've never, well, because I've been in an all girl band, right? All female band, Raining Jane since for 20 years. Rock and roll camp for girls is about, um, I've been, I constantly am trying to create environments for myself where I'm collaborating with other women. Mm. It is my safe space. It is where I feel like the best ideas come. Um, I've never felt competitive with other women. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I mean, I think it started with my friend Susan, who was like, you are awesome, instead of being like, ew, you know, mm-hmm. putting me down in some way. And so that's always been my goal and my perspective. So Rock Camp was such a natural um, evolution in my lifeline of mm-hmm. like, oh, I love to play music. I love encouraging people. Let's create a place where um, girls are then supported by women. So now we're calling our community of women to come hold space for girls. Mm. And that's medicine for the women who have maybe never been in an environment where women are collaborative instead of competitive. And what do you, what do you, uh, do you ever feel like you maybe notice or pick up if you're around a woman who's maybe not been able to be in safe spaces with other women. And so maybe is falling prey to some old habits, even though she wants that sisterhood. Do you have any sort of strategies like for like disarming those situations or things that you might say, or do you just model it behaviorally or? Well, we, that's like the crux of rock camp is role modeling. So being at your best so the girls can feel safe to be at their best, right? Same motto when I'm on stage. Oh my gosh, you're really bringing this home for me right now. It's the same in life for me. I think obviously not everybody is coming from the same loving family that I was privileged to be raised in. So my goal is to just ask questions, like be interested in people. I would much rather be interested than interesting. Mm. That sounds like a whatever. No, no. But I mean it. I'd rather much rather know about you. And I feel like people who haven't had that opportunity to share or people, or maybe are closed off, like, I want to lean in a little bit and be like, so, you know, why are you here? What do you, what do you love about being here? Tell me about, I love asking questions. I love knowing about people that's so genuine in me. And Mm -hmm. I think that that maybe translates into disarming people somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think teamwork, just letting people reminding everybody as a leader of like a director in some way, Mm -hmm. like we're in this together and be really honest and take care of yourself. Like we're, we're teaching ourselves these things in the week as the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Self-care. We're talking about self-care. Like when we started Rock Camp 10 years ago or eight years ago, it's like, oh, I don't need to be a clown for the whole day. I oh, get to yeah. take a break and lie down and encouraging other people to take care of yourself. So long story short, a lot of people come for different reasons to rock and roll camp for girls, but the idea is we put them in this very unique experience for one week, whether you're a volunteer or whether you're a camper. Mm-hmm. And we're asking you to step out of your comfort zone and try something new just for the week. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ground rule? Well, let me just highlight what you're saying. One yeah. of the things you're saying is you think um, one of the things you do is you are interested in other people instead of being interesting. That's so Uh beautiful. And then also you shining your light as fully as possible gives other women and girls permission to do the same thing. I think that's so huge. I think 
we all want to do that, but sometimes we forget, you know, I know, I know that I spent years as like a high schooler trying to like, you know, just like tone it down a bit. I was always like too loud and (laughs) too talkative, whatever. So, or, you know, show me shine your light in certain spaces. So, so, so grateful to people like you who are, you know, doing that, like as much as you can. And then, um, you were talking about, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but, um, uh, oh, just like when you're, when you're teaching, <laughs> having that, if you're, if you're modeling self-care, then you're actually teaching the girls self-care, which is super important. Yes. And yes. then I, I wonder, did you, do you have any like ground rules about respect or do you say anything or is it really just like they watch you and they kind of absorb? Uh, for, in terms of volunteer training, we have a whole mandatory day of volunteer training. Mm. Because, because the centerpiece of our camp is role modeling. So we have to then be role models in the same system, you know, yeah. which is be yourself, but also you can't talk shit about your sisters, right? We're going to no. teach, we're going to show the girls that we only use encouraging words with each other and then how to communicate in a group, right? So you put them in a band of four or five girls and you say, you're going to have challenges because you all have to agree on this song in one week, mm-hmm. different varying skill levels. I mean, so much garbage comes up for these little girls and volunteers. So much stuff comes to the surface mm. because they've never been in an environment where people are holding space, but also saying, we got to work through this. Yeah. You can't walk away. You can't, you have to be in this moment and we have to come to a conclusion. So there's yeah. a tangible result at rock camp. Right, so they learn how to navigate that. They can't be like, oh, forget it. Which maybe in their life they've never had the opportunity to like create a solution to conflict with other girls. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Yes, yes. You get, that's why the program is, is special and it's, not, it's for just girls because we want the girls to have this opportunity in their life. Yeah. The rest of the world is rock and roll camp for boys and whatever like this is a very specific experience we want girls and women to have together awesome thank you so much i love you Um, cool is there there any party if you could say one thing to musicians um songwriters performers out there if you could leave them one mantra or piece of advice what would it be i don't know just like do the damn thing stop being a little bitch about it and just do it and then if it sucks, make, you know, refine it and do it differently. Just, just keep doing stuff. Otherwise, you're never going to find the voice that is so true to you that makes other people feel something great, too. Thank you. Okay. Stop being a little bitch. I love that. That's great. No, that lands with me. I'm like, oh, yeah. I got to stop that. All right. Until next time. I'm going to the recording. Bye, songwriters. So long. Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love.